This episode is sponsored by Nero. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing, means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focus without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com potential. That's try. N-E-U-R-O gum dot com slash potential. Once again, that's trynerogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. This episode is sponsored by Aura. Every once in a while, a product comes along that changes everything. And that product is Aura. Aura is an easy-to-use app that includes everything families need to protect their identities, money, passwords, devices, and more. It's really easy to set up and has everything you need, so you don't have to download seven separate apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, ID theft, and transaction monitoring, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. What makes Aura different, you say? It's simple to set up. It protects against today's and tomorrow's threats and with parental controls to let your kids explore the internet safely. Filter harmful sites, apps, and manage screen time easily. Online safety for today's digital safety. It's tech that grows with you and your family. Browse safely, surf smartly. Aura comes packed with all the tools you need to protect you and your family from the online threats you can't see. Our listeners will get a 14-day free trial of Aura for individuals, couples, or their family by going to Aura.com slash Potential. That's Aura, spelled A-U-R-A, dot com slash Potential. Once again, get your first 14-day free trial of Aura by going to Aura.com slash Potential. Protect what's important. Proactive protection for your assets, identity, family, and tech across every device. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. Hello, listeners. We are back. It is uh September and what a month it has been so far. I mean, I can't believe Chris, the summer's flown by. I know for you, you're in California, so it's like summer every day. But uh man, oh man, fall is here and uh the pumpkin spice lattes are out in full. <laughs> the spooky season has arrived. Yes, it has. And uh it's my favorite time of year, folks. I love spooky season. Although it's also meaning I'm uh very busy. It's not only busy because my wedding's coming up. Uh, it's busy because yeah. it's Halloween season, and uh, and my one of my jobs is uh, this is the busy time of year, but um, it is exciting. I you know we decorated our place finally, and we we got a few new things for the Halloween season, which is always fun. Um, I just love putting that spirit in there because yes, in California, we still can have some hot days, as I can attest as a uh, PE coach, where I'm out in the heat six hours a day. But having that feeling of fall coziness, somewhere nice to be 
Um, even if it's got a little element of the spookiness, uh, that's just my favorite time. And the winds are changing. We're we're slowly getting cooler weather coming in, and then eventually it's going to be cool for quite a you while, that? which is nice. It's yeah. the winds of change. <laughs> oh, oh, the winds of change. We love the winds of change. I love it, man. Yeah, it's exciting, dude. Your wedding is going to be here before you know it. I can't wait to to be out there and uh, officiate that wedding. It's coming full circle. <laughs> The circle is now complete. <laughs> the circle is now complete. It almost sounds like a book title. The circle is now complete. That could be like, you know, the tagline on the back. You know, it's like the third book of a series. That's going to be like it's the like, story of our life uh, in the podcast. The circle is now complete. Oh, Speaking man. of books, man, you know, it's been a while since I've read a book. And that's a flaw. You know, I I, I actually, when Dune, when Dune came out, yeah. I wanted to reread dune because i had read it a while ago it's a tough read then i was hooked i wanted to read all the dune books and i started having like a dune read kind of craziness that did tear off um and now that dune unfortunately was part two was postponed um you know i've been wanting to get back into reading you know you and i are such uh pros if you will at uh getting visual media in our brains i mean we yeah. watch so much movies and television shows and video games it's hard, it's hard it's easier to consume because you know when you want a, a good book you want to be able to sit down and pay attention to it really, and absorb yeah. the material exactly but uh yeah speaking of books we have a, a first for the podcast we've been having a few of these first for the podcast but this one was really unique of our guest today and i really loved the idea of kind of getting a perspective we haven't seen um, when it comes to entertainment, because not only does this guy have uh, quite a talented resume and quite a career already, but he also comes from a place of understanding how creative minds work and how like, you know, everything that we love in entertainment had to be, you know, someone had to write it first. Yeah. These things don't just pop up on the screen and they're made. That no, it's a screenplay. You know, it's, and it's a unique time, especially it was very fitting, um, yeah. especially with the writer's trick going on that we had this guest on board. So very excited to introduce this guest today. As you said, a first for us, uh, this gentleman is an author of not one, not two, uh, not three, but four uh, books here. Um, and he is the founder and executive editor of Atmosphere Press, a publishing company that is focused on author first. Please welcome to the podcast, Nick Courtright. All righty, Nick, once again, welcome uh, to the podcast. Good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. We're going to dive right in here. This is a very first for us, as we just uh, said, to have a, an accomplished author and someone of your caliber and background. So we're excited about this. We're going to jump right in our first question. So Nick, you are the founder and CEO of Atmosphere Press, an alternative approach to seeing good books go into print. Uh, tell us more about Atmosphere Press and, and what inspired you to create it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking and for having me, of course. Uh, yeah, Atmosphere. So I was a college professor for a number of years, you know, toiling through grading those massive stacks of freshman composition papers. Well, I'm sure it's it's different now because all the freshman compositions papers are being written by chat GPT. So, <laughs> you know, uh, probably going to be much higher quality nowadays than it was once upon a time, typo free. Uh, but I was sort of doing that and doing a little bit of freelance, you know, uh, editorial work on the side because of my authorial writing background. And, you know, there was an author who wanted some help trying to publish a book. And I said, oh, you know, what the heck, I'll, I'll help you try to get a book out there. And that was 2015. And his book was about the universe and existence. So I was trying to come up with a press name and I thought, oh, atmosphere and checked the domain was available. And of course, everyone knows if the domain is available, you know, you got to jump on it because somebody's going to sit on it if you don't. And from there, it just got bigger and bigger. And now we are on the verge. We're just about uh, publishing our thousandth book. Whoa, uh, that's awesome. So Congrats. yeah, it's, it's quite the, the going concern. And we really try to fill a particular 
you know, market niche of being a publisher for authors who really want to, you know, a partner in the process as opposed to just, you know, uh, a publisher who's going to, you know, take their work and do whatever they want with it and all of that sort of stuff. We try to be receptive to what authors want and, you know, I, you know, just really try to do right by them and make some really awesome books out there. That's so cool. I, I've always wondered with when it comes to publishing books, what factors are taken in when it comes to like how many to make, uh, you know, like uh, art uh, covers and all that stuff. Um, you know, if once you have like a manuscript and it's like, all right, this looks like it's a good to go. What uh, what factors does your company take in to know, like what areas we're going to distribute this to and all that kind of stuff? What kind of goes into the the publishing work there? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all really crazy. Like nowadays on the distribution side, you know, there are just a couple major players uh, and you can go like super inside baseball and get really crazy trying to figure out how all of it works. But in terms of distribution, most all the books are sort of sent out in more or less the same way through your Amazon channels, Barnes and Noble, you know, the 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 usual suspects, you know, as it were. Uh, in terms of cover design, that's one thing where I think we actually do something really cool is that we really try to get a lot of information from the author on what their aesthetic is. So rather than just us coming and saying like, here's your cover, this is what it's going to look like. We ask them to send in, you know, uh, like book covers that they really like. And it could be, you know, book covers, movie posters, CD covers back when CDs existed, you know, and, uh, I remember that. you know, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, uh, those halcyon days, right? Uh, days of yore. But yeah, and try to get a vibe for what the author actually likes. You know, what type of appearance? Or they do they want something sci-fi or a particular kind of fantasy or a classic? Or are they a poet? Or, you know, what are they trying to do? And then we match them up with the cover designer who's going to be able to knock that look out of the park for them. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a really fun process of us trying to, you know, read the room, I guess you can say, uh, and then give them something really cool. I think that's important too to kind of give them a voice in that uh, process because I know for me, when I go to Barnes and Noble and I'm just like perusing and walking around, sometimes it's that unique cover that can really draw your eye into, I have no clue what this book might be about. I'll read the back that has a small description, but the cover could... I don't know, something about that image has me hooked um, and that can go into then the hopefully purchasing of the book and then, you know, word of mouth spreads and, oh, have you read that author? You know, I know that author. Yeah, they have another book coming out and it just kind of. Yeah, it's uh, so much the image and even the font and how it's laid out. It's, I mean, so many things that go into it. It's crazy. And they say not to judge a book by its cover, but it's hard not to appreciate it or admire uh, that said cover. Yeah. Yeah. People say you can't, but you will. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> You know, there's there's really no way around it. So you got to, you know, lean into that a little bit, I think. I'm sure there's some great books out there, the two that were gifted terrible covers and are, are <laughs> not being as discovered as uh, as they should be. Um, well, I wanted to ask, Nick, you know, I think it's very unique when someone decides to be a writer and get into literature and, and books and all that. When you were young... Were there certain genres or types of books that you were kind of drawn to? Um, did you take to reading pretty early on? And and then when did kind of writing start with that as well? Was it just something you were hooked into? Did you like English? Was that like your favorite class? Or were you like kind of a late bloomer with that? Yeah, I always liked writing. Like I remember staying in on recess, you know, with my little fourth grade girlfriend, you know, like writing <laughs> stories and stuff. I uh, but I could say in terms of reading, you know, I went through ups and downs with it. You know, sometimes I really liked it. Other times I was, you know, wanting to do other things, you know, like video games or, you know, playing sports or, you know, whatever else there is in the world to do. But one thing, you know, that goes all the way back, you know, choose your own adventure. Do you oh, guys yeah. read those? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I read like, you know, I don't know, a hundred of those things or something. And I would read like every single possible iteration just to find out all the interesting ways one could die, right? <laughs> Morbid. That's what truth. those series will get, give you. <laughs> but those are fun because then it was 
it, it gave a little bit of uh it kind of heightened the imagination with oh i'm i'm choosing the path the authors included 16 versions of how this can go but it's it's up to me to kind of make the journey make sense uh, um yeah i love those books when i was young those were always so fun yeah and i think it's it's actually really cool to to think about you know maybe how that would impact uh, a future writer, you know, because you're always making decisions. And one thing I think is important, you know, in a podcast, you know, that talks a lot about movies and television and all these other sorts of things is that all of these things started as written works, right? Like, you know, and so many of them are based off of books and that sort of creative enterprise that starts right from the very beginning uh, and then just turns into other things. It'll like start as something somebody's like jotting down or they're scribbling something. They're talking to their friend and they start typing it out. And then it becomes a screenplay or a novel or a book and then turns into a movie or a video game or whatever. Um, it's really cool. And with Choose Your Own Adventure, you sort of get to see all the different ways and choices that a writer can take when constructing something. And it makes you think about you know, various movies that have the director's cut or alternate endings and stuff like that and how those diverging paths are, you know, always there in that decision-making process. Yeah, we, we we talked about, remember Black Mirror did that. Um, With the Bandersnatch. Uh, Bandersnatch where you got to yeah. choose the ending of each episode and then that switched how how the, the output of the show. We've talked about how that could be a possible thing they do for movies and television of, Maybe you're in a movie theater and the audience votes for, you know, the next chunk of the scene. That could be a future possibility. But you bring it up, though, about all these projects that we love, movies, TV shows, video games, music. I mean, it all starts as writing. It's a big thing right now with the writer's strike. I think a lot of people, um, you kind of forget like, oh, yeah, I love Stranger Things. Well, Stranger Things didn't just happen. It didn't just be made one day. Someone had to come up with a concept and write scripts. It had to be approved and then eventually got you know produced and made. Um, and all these, you know, these writers that are creating these wonderful things that we enjoy, it all stems from some idea that was there somewhere, maybe from even childhood. Um, I always love when people talk about writers, like what inspired them? It was like, oh, I loved uh, Jaws. So that inspired me to kind of write a monster movie or, you know, something like that. So yeah, it all stems down from early kind of childhood. What, what kind of drew you to literature and, and writing and everything? Yeah, and I think it's really fascinating because, you know, there are so many people who love movies and love TV shows, but they don't necessarily think, like, I can do that because putting together a film production is such a monumental task for many, many people, right? But all of those things started with an idea by somebody, and that's something that literally anybody listening to this can just start typing something out. You know, a lot of people, they just don't actually do it, right? Um, and it's sort of like that, you know, famous quote about, you know, modern art, you know, where it's like you, it, it, people can look at it and say, oh, I, I could do that. And it's like, well, but you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's that, that sort of effort that you're, you know, putting into it, that, that love, you know, because you never know what could ultimately end up becoming of something that you just start, you know, jotting down in a notepad someday. Yeah, talking about and doing it are two different things, uh, two different types of people. Um, and you're right. I mean, even with this podcast itself, I mean, although a lot of it is really kind of free form, we don't know really what we're going to say or what our guests are going to say, but we do jot down. We do talk about Chris and I, just the talking and the note taking, that's writing at its base level. And it, it, you need to kind of start from somewhere. Um, and you brought up like, you know, a good thing that like we talk about inspirations, this kind of a, you know, as a podcast that mostly focuses on film and television. And we do talk about video games and whatnot, as you brought up. Um, have there been any book to film adaptations you really enjoyed or have other forms of media inspired your own work that we're going to get into? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting, you know, like Oppenheimer obviously is one of the like most significant works everyone's talking about. And that was based off of a book, right? Um, that's nonfiction, but one, you know, when I think about that question, I actually, when I was a college professor, I actually taught a class called uh, Great Film, Great Lit, that was 100% devoted to film adaptations of books. Uh, and that was a fun class, like just putting together the syllabus on that, trying to decide. But the one that always really sticks out to me is No Country for Old Men. 
Mm, you know, it's based on that Cormac McCarthy novel, and mm-hmm. like the novel is so awesome and so grisly and intense, and then the movie is just absolutely epic. So that's one wherever I'm like, okay, you know, people obviously always complain about adaptations. They're like, they didn't do it exactly the same. So it's impossible to do it exactly the same. It's called, it's called an adaptation. Is. It's not a word for yeah. it. The, yeah. Yeah. They're different things. But you bring up a great point is the fact that when you have a really great uh, source material to, to make that adaptation, uh, when that author had created something so amazing, so powerful and so visceral, as you said, in, it, it is that that other, you know, the directors and all that to, to use that. I mean, it doesn't always translate well. And we've seen a lot of these, you know, great works and some decent works that were kind of like, what were they thinking? But, it, you know, if you have a really good, you know, cornerstone, you know, that can really, it really can kind of, you know, change the game. Um, speaking of that, were there, you know, certain authors that inspired you to, to study literature and start writing where they're like, can you think of pinpoint a couple that you really, really stuck with you? Yeah, I can say when I was young, you know, I was team Michael Crichton. (laughs) I find myself going back and back to his stuff all the time. Yeah. And now I have a, I have a kid who just entered high school and I was like, all right, you know, here, you got to get your Jurassic park. You got to get your sphere. I got him like sphere. And he was like, what is this? And I was like, just wait, buddy. Um, You know, so that's, that was really great stuff. When I sort of started getting a little bit older and getting into, you know, more complex literature, you know, Hemingway, you know, of course, is, you know, uh, a legend. Uh, so he was one that that inspired me a lot for sure. Uh, but yeah, I was, I really loved Crichton and I always used to love to read, you know, the Hardy Boys and stuff like that. And those sort of like old classics, you know, really, I think stuck with me when I was sort of coming up as a writer and trying to figure out eventually like what I wanted to do. I love that. That's awesome. And crying, there's been a lot of, of his movie adaptations. And I think most of them have been fairly good. Um, I mean, you look at like Jurassic Park, people still refer to that as like hands down one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And even if you watch that movie, you if you read the book, it's like, it's not an exact adaptation by any means. No, the book was there's a darker. lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that they don't do. They they did some things in Lost World that were kind of from that, but it, it, again, it's like you're taking a a source material that when you read it, you're gonna have your own personal imagination of how you view these scenes taking place in your head. This is Spielberg's version of that with his creators and everything. So it's always unique too. I think when when it comes to that of you reading books as you know young and then if you see the movie it's like um like the recent um adaptations of uh dune i had read dune prior to even seeing the old version uh by david lynch i mean i actually watched it uh during the oh, so, pandemic so bad that it, very <laughs> you know i mean give them give them support for for trying but with the, with the new adaptations it's again they're not doing everything in the book but for adapting to cinema it's uh it's right up there with how a lot of it i visualize kind of in my head um which is always it's always interesting but you yourself you know for someone that uh was inspired by authors books uh uh movies and all that eventually you yourself have now written a few books you have uh, let there be light punchline the forgotten world and the upcoming I'm perfect. Science of the stars. Walt Whitman in the meaning of poems. And I remember reading your bio. You did for your final uh, project. You did a thing on Walt Whitman. You had an, it was an eight line poem, and you did like a like a three hundred page paper or some something like that, right? So what 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 you know? I want to talk about your books. What inspired them? What was kind of your process with them? And with this new one coming up, what's uh what's your admiration for Walt Whitman and going into that? Yeah, yeah. So here's the sort of curveball is that even though, you know, I was talking about like Frighten and Hemingway and all of these other sorts of examples, you know, when it came time for me to really get into writing and wanting to create, I just couldn't stay away from poetry. You know, like that just ended up being the the genre in which I found it just was the most interesting to, you know, talk about ideas. And also I was just too too lazy for novels in some way. I don't know. Like the idea of like 
sustaining like a, some people are just really great at like sustaining you know a, a world that they have created you know and mm-hmm. just in terms of my particular storytelling style I was better at vignettes right like small little scenes rather than a long extended narrative right so like poetry was just a great way to just like tell something sort of like get a real like vibe you know going just for like a two or three minute reading experience and then it's over. Right. And I always sort of loved that because then it's like, it can just turn into so much like interpretively, you can just do so much with so little. So I wrote three books of poetry and they all have different subject matters about existence. The forgotten world, my most recent one was all about, you know, world travel. Uh, So I'd gone around to a ton of different countries and sort of a lot of them by myself uh, and sort of trying to figure out what like American identity is, like who are we as a people, right? And the answer is like somewhat troubled, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, talked about that in, in, you know, just trying to make sense of the world and, you know, where we all fit in it, right? Uh, and then the Walt Whitman project, so... so yeah, I just, there was this eight line Walt Whitman poem uh, called When I Heard the Learned Astronomer. And those of you who are Breaking Bad fans will actually remember that Gail Bedecker, you know, the guy who was in the lab underground with Walt, recited this poem out loud. And he recited it and Walter was like, that's great. And they clinked a glass of champagne. And, you know, by the end of the season, those who watch the show know what happened to Gail Bedecker, right? So I actually, (laughs) I write about that in my, in this book. Um, There's a whole section in there, you know, talking about, you know, how you interpret any text, you know, based not just on the words, but also the way in which it's delivered. So in that particular case, it was delivered in a meth lab. How does that impact your interpretation of the poem itself right so it's sort of talking about all of these different ways that you can look at different things and that goes not just for poetry in like the most highfalutin sense but also like the text message that you get from your girlfriend or your mom or whatever that there are still always all of these circumstances where you can get the exact same text message and interpret it like completely differently just depending on whether you're hungry or not (laughs) oh yeah there's no there's no uh i always say texts rarely have emotion attached to them that you give the emotion based on how you receive it um you know you could you could get a text that says okay period and you'd be like way too much into that like oh they're mad (laughs) they're they're mad at me and then you ask them later and it's like no i said okay like we're good (laughs) you know um and with poetry too i've always found Kind of in a similar way you brought up earlier, Nick, about like with like modern art or like people could look at something and go, yeah, I could do that. But they didn't. <laughs> I think poetry, because it has so many kind of there is a lot of free form to poetry. There's so many different styles of poetry. And as you said, it really is up to kind of the interpretation of the reader of how they take it. You know, was that something you always kind of kept up with poetry when you were younger? Or was that, you know, as you found your lane, if you will, of writing, was poetry the thing for you throughout, you know, college and high school? Was that something you always kind of enjoyed? Yeah, it pretty much, you know, because I started off like just writing novels. Like I think when I was, you know, I was in like eighth or ninth grade and I wrote like a 300 page novel that was like, it was like a Tom Clancy style international intrigue, you know, and they were trying to, you know, Tatiana was trying to hide the bomb, you know, from like the US general, I don't know, like some (laughs) nonsense, right? You know, so I was all about that and writing like little comedy pieces with a lot of like bathroom humor that would, you know, that I would pass around the class and everyone would enjoy. Um, But uh, yeah, then, once I started getting like deeper into college, you know, the, the poetry stuff really started, you know, sticking. And that was, I think it really was just that, you know, it was small, you know, you could just really work on refining it. Anyone who's like into like meticulous details, right. is going to like that kind of content 
because you can take the same little stone and just polish it forever and ever and ever until it's like hopefully a diamond but of course it's probably not going to be a diamond it's just going to be a shinier rock <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah that was that was uh you know something that i enjoyed and i think like everybody you know should be creating some sort of thing you know like regardless what it is hey, like there's always so much satisfaction that can come just from making something so you know i think that's good for everybody to do regardless of the media yeah i mean i personally personally love to cook so i'm always you know trying to do new recipes uh you know i'm i've been married now for uh several months and uh, ever since i've been you know with my uh, wife, we, I'm always trying to like come up with new things or stuff or even just um, every things. But I think you, you bring up a great point of like, always be creative. doesn't matter if it's just writing or uh, filming or podcasting could be anything, you know, give Taylor a fridge of ingredients and he'll, 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 yeah, I got some onions, I got some eggs, I got some tomatoes, make, a, me. make an omelet. <laughs> I'm the host with very, he is, he is creative in that way, but even like we, we haven't done it as much lately with this season uh, because we've been more focused on uh, awesome guests like you for our, our big episodes. But a lot of our first few years of this podcast, we would write parody skits and ads for our episodes talking about movie franchises and TV franchises. And a lot of the creative output of, of writing these skits and then recording them and editing them was a lot of fun. Um, and even during the pandemic, it not that it was uh, the purpose for everyone to have to find some creative output, but I think a lot of people, because they had time on their hand, did um, naturally kind of find something to do. And I think uh, once you do create something, whether it's, uh, as you said, a shiny diamond or just a a, a little gold rock, uh, it's it, it really, it can boost you uh, quite up depending on, you know, your mood and stuff, for sure. Um, and I mean, creativity, the... Uh the enemy of creativity is always, you know, uh, that writer's block, the infamous writer's block that every, uh, writer, amateur professional does not matter faces. Have you yourself, Nick, ever kind of dealt with writer's block and, and, and what has worked for you to, to overcome that? Yeah. I think everybody, you know, deals with that. Even if you're not a writer, I think writer's block is just like, you know, a particular, manifestation of like a broader trend of you know and the way i always sort of thought about it is that you know i've got a kind of a brutalist approach to it you know which is that writer's block is really nothing more than a failure to type you know <laughs> uh -huh. that's what i always the spin i always kind of had on it is that it's like it's really there are always ideas and sometimes you just got to type your way through them right like like it's the same with if you're going to paint a picture right you'd be like i don't know what to paint i don't know what to paint well just start slapping paint on a canvas and eventually something will emerge right like and it's kind of the same with anything it's like you don't know what joke you're going to tell we'll just start talking and eventually you'll run into something <laughs> right um so yeah with with writer's block i think it's just a matter of you know sort of putting your head down you know and just making something and really just accepting the fact that it might suck for a while right like it, it's probably going to be bad like I would always say you know I have sort of these like tips on free writing that I give to people when you're trying to create content right and the first is don't stop right you just have to type and just keep going and the second one is have faith which really that if you just keep creating content eventually something good is going to happen you pan it right? for gold you're going to find that nugget <laughs> yeah exactly and another one that i think is really key uh is lower your standards i always loved that one because it seems counterintuitive people are like oh that seems bad that you would lower your standards it's like no no no. when you come in to edit it later and fix it up you know then you can have high standards but when you're trying to generate content man, keep those standards nice and low. Cause that'll keep you from that self-judgment that like, this isn't good enough. Like that I stink at this, all the sort of like self-defeating junk that can get in the way with creators and that like prevents them from just doing the work. Right. Cause if you do the work, you know, eventually you're going to make something cool. You're, you're, you're bound to love that. And I think that, yeah, that's important because sometimes I think we ourselves are the writer's block. We just don't have the 
uh, nothing's going to happen. So I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. And then tomorrow. Um, I wonder if George R.R. R. Martin is really suffering some writer's block. Cause gosh, that sixth book has still not come out. It's taken quite a long time to write that, uh, sixth book. We'll get the seventh book in, uh, 2070 of game of thrones um <laughs> they'll just move on and artificial intelligence will write the book um i do want to ask you included um with some of you like tips on you know for anyone that's listening that um might be inspired by you to, to pick up a pencil or you know laptop and start writing when it comes for young authors who are starting out uh dealing with rejection some your tips with rejection or just you know kind of pushing through this first few years until you land that first kind of published book. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be tough and the publishing world can be brutal, right? Like there is a lot of, you know, like agents, you know, just never even responding. You know, if you write to them, they they won't even answer you, you know, and same with publishers who give you a form letter rejection. And that's why we've really tried to do things differently with Atmosphere where, you know, we try to, work with people we try to actually like listen to people we in fact like any single person who submits a manuscript to us we give them a free consultation over the phone like even if we ultimately like don't end up working together we will talk to them right and sometimes that's like moves us forward towards a deal that's going to work for everybody and other times i uh, they go on their merry way or we go on our merry way uh, and that's totally fine. And one thing I think is, yeah, just keep your head up, plow forward. And the thing is, yeah, I, just like with, with anything, you know, like nothing worth doing in life is going to be easy. You know, everything is hard. You know, writing a book is not an easy thing to do and creating a movie or a video game or anything. None of this stuff is easy. It's all like a hideous nightmare, right? <laughs> you know? But, you know, if you do it and you stick to it, you're going to get so much satisfaction just from the action itself, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, that the outcome doesn't mean as much as you might think. And yeah. actually on our website, on atmosphereprest.com, we actually made a little quiz on there that's, that's really cool. It's just a little 10 question quiz where if you go through and you answer the questions in there, we give you like a bunch of advice depending on your answers about what you should do next. Like if your answers are like, you're very early stage in the process, we're like, here is this resource, here's this blog post, here's this video, here are these things that are gonna like help you make content and like move yourself forward. If it's somebody who's already got like something written, we're like, here are actionable steps to move towards publication. You know, here's how to, you know, think about marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely recommend like check out that that quiz because that'll help give you some some feedback that'll, you know, give you some direction for sure. Oh, I love that. Love that that's, you have that. That's awesome. No, that's yeah. good. And we're, we're going to plug that at the end. So thank you for, for bringing that up. But uh, um, Nick, you've accomplished so much as a writer, publisher, editor, and founder of Atmosphere Press. You know, what, what's next for you? You know, what are your future goals, whether be with Atmosphere Press or maybe dream projects that you want to work on? Uh, tell us what's next for Nick. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to think of anything too wildly different because, you know, some people who know me well know that I'm not actually like a big planner, right? I, I just sort of keep my eye on the ball and sort of focus on what I'm doing right now. And if I just sort of crush that as much as I can, then I just do whatever comes next, you know? And that's kind of like what's happened so far. So when I think about like, oh, what are like my goals, you know, like, oh, do I want to try to win this award or do I want to be like a, you know, sailing boat captain or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> like hey. I, there, there isn't anything specific that jumps out. I just kind of have, you know, some trust at this point that if I like keep making things and keep sort of keep, you know, stay positive, you know, and, you know, just keep working hard that I'll just keep making stuff, whether that stuff I'm making is more books or other projects or other companies or a podcast. I don't know. Like, yeah. who knows? We'll be your you first know, guest. But, but, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't recommend it. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, we we love it. But it, it, like I said, like you said, with everything, there is different challenges and stuff. And you know, we've been mm-hmm. doing this three years. And but I I love the fact that you um the message of yours is just to not give up, and it doesn't matter what your project is or whatnot. And you are going to, um, for example, I've been learning to take up golf and my friend who, uh, uh, he's been helping me with that. He's like, you are going to hate this game, but just, just know that, but that's because it's nothing like you said. And that, that's a quote I live by all the time. Nothing uh, worth getting in life is going to be easy. And so if you want to do something well, in it, mm-hmm. you just got to keep, keep hammering away, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually like, uh, recently took up tennis okay. and it's kind oh, of the, okay. the same type of thing where it's like i like obsess over it and i'm like man i should have started this when i was like like four years old (laughs) (laughs) it was so hopeless much harder as an adult to uh learn a new skill but uh hey might as well you know learn it well nick we thank you for being on the podcast today but we're not quite done with you yet we do have our five podcast questions we've been asking you a bunch of questions but now we're gonna ask you our podcast questions we ask this of all of our guests to come on the podcast. So some of these might be a little tough because I know for a lot of people, they have multiple answers for this. But off the top of your head, if you have just one, what is your favorite movie? Gotta go Trading Places. Oh, <laughs> good choice. Is there a problem? Yeah. With <laughs> yeah. In no way. They gotta, gotta go with Trading Places. I remember when I, you know, first saw that, like back when I was a kid and, you know, some of those scenes I rewound on the VHS until the tracking like didn't work. You know, the scenes, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but still today it holds up. It's so funny. It's, it's classic. Just really well. So good. (laughs) Number, number two, uh, what is a favorite or your favorite TV series? So I got to say right now, uh, I've been really enjoying the bear. Oh, it's so good. But here's the thing. I'm going to say this right now before it's too late is I saw you guys already discussed season two. I'm only partway through season two. So don't spoil. Oh my don't God. spoil. You can, you can listen it, to our review oh later man. after and see what, if you match up with our thoughts, yeah. but uh, yeah. we'll just say I, we enjoyed glad. it even more than the first one. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's such a good I, show. I saw that you had that on there and I was like, Oh, you be careful. You're playing with fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes we don't do a uh, spoils, spoil reviews because, um, you know, it's just like, let you know, anyone can go watch um, and listen to our review, but Oh yeah. Season two, uh, delicious second dish. So, um, continue watching. It's so good. Um, what is a favorite video game or video game series of yours? So I'm going to go classic on this. Uh, Space Invaders. Ooh, oh, Space that, Invaders. That is ultra classic. Gotta love that. Yeah. I definitely spent so much time doing that when I was a kid, when I should have been cleaning my room or doing my homework. Um, just way back. Because my parents didn't like let me get a console when I was really little. So I was like on like the low tech diet. Right. So like that was as that was as high tech as it got for me. So I was all about that, trying to hide behind those little things, you know, and then they get all fast and I get so so mad. So much so much anxiety <laughs> in that game. Oh, they're coming quick. Yeah. I'm also just yeah. I'm also just uh picturing your parents being like, Did you clean your room? And you're like, No, but I wrote this 300 page novel. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> Oh, well, good for you, Nick. You're like, yeah. you want to read it? <laughs> i love that well uh we uh we definitely are um a, a fairly nerdy podcast chris and i self-proclaimed nerds uh what would you say your nerd level as a scale on a scale of one to ten would be again one like and again this could be nerdy about anything but one not very much and ten being super nerd this is an interesting one because growing up i was i was like i got like good grades and i was like i had bad teeth and braces and like dorky <laughs> glasses and i would wear like these really awful sweaters you know that now are like cool but then yeah. they were not it was just something my mom bought me at kmart <laughs> and so i was back then i was like i was supremely nerdy but i really would have never identified as that i would have been like i'm not a nerd i'm cool you know, it's like, you're no, you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but now, now as a, an older, more self-assured person, 
person who did, you know, get a PhD in studying poetry, for goodness sakes, I got to give myself a solid seven. Uh, Nice. We love that. Now, our last question, we typically ask our guests to give us an impression, but I want to spin it as you are a writer. Is is there a, a movie line or a movie quote that like stands out to you is like just an impressive, you know, obviously it's, it's performed by an actor or actress in the, in the piece. But as you said, we talked about earlier, everything was written at some point, unless it was an improvised line. Is there like a line that like has always stood out to you is like, damn, that's a good line from a movie. You can think of one or a TV show. It could be a TV show as well. Okay. So I'm actually not going to give a piece of dialogue. Okay. Um, I, I think there's something better and I could try to do an Im- impression of it too. It's kind of like a, and it's at the end of Godfather when the door shuts, uh, yeah. mm. you know, that moment when it's like, you know, we're on this side, you're on that side. And it's that like famous shot where they're just like, you know, you're out, you don't have any say in this. And I've always thought, and like, if you go back and you like look at the screenplay, you know, mm-hmm. of that being written, I've always thought it was just such a like exquisite, like way to like compose uh, all of that and to really like demonstrate sort of uh, how one man has made decisions at the expense of his romance. And uh, those decisions are quite significant. Yeah. I only ask you one time, one time ask about my business and then just little the little door shut on that and we're not going to talk about mm-hmm. it again um yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time so good good uh, oh yeah good did you have a did you get a chance to watch the offer no no i have not when you get a chance uh we highly recommend it it was uh pretty entertaining about the that's the show about the making of the godfather uh, again it's it's you know mostly accurate i'm sure there's a lot of hollywood you know isms in there with a you know, it's still an entertaining show, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. we love the Godfather talking about it. But Nick, I mean, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Um, obviously, atmosphereprest.com uh, for those who want to check that out. But also, if people want to follow you on social media and stuff, where they can, where can they follow you? Yeah, all the usual suspects. Once again, you know, the the Facebooks and Instagrams and Twitters and LinkedIn's and, you know, I don't know, there's probably like... 14 other ones. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, so you can find me on there. You can also, you know, reach out to me uh, individually at Nick at atmosphereprest.com. Um, especially if you are a writer, you know, a, you've created a manuscript or you want to, you know, you're working on one or you're planning on working on one. Like you can definitely like check out our stuff and, you know, see if we, we'd be a good match for you. Cause uh, we're always on the lookout for talent. That's for sure. Well, we got one for you called Danny Boy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, we don't. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, spe- yes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, being creative with uh, extra time in your hands, me and Taylor, we, we've, we've known each other now for a decade, and we first worked together on an Alaska cruise, and we spent a day on one of our port days. We made a terrible short film called Danny Boy, in which a Irish Danny boy spirit haunts and attacks this man in the woods. <laughs> it's a terrible film, but it's been one of our like, like uh, running jokes, I know, and- running jokes and projects. And uh, about one day it'll become a full film. It'll, it'll be, it'll be great. But um, also uh, just again, friends listening, uh, be on the lookout for uh, his works uh, punchline, let there be light and the forgotten world. And we'll be looking forward to the new one coming up about Walt Whitman. What, when are you uh, expecting to have that uh, published? Uh, probably December or January. So oh, it's coming not, up, it's coming not up. Not too right. far off. Not too far off. off. All right. Well, once again, Nick, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Uh, best of luck with everything moving forward. We would love that you are, you know, giving a creative space and a, a little bit of uh, encouragement to uh, writers everywhere, and that's a a good thing because we we're always in need of new and wonderful works. And uh, I love that you're. You're making it accessible to uh, more people than most publishing places would probably be, as you kind of <laughs> talked about. So we we'll love that. Love that. Awesome. Thank you. Wow. He was a lot of fun. 
I didn't expect that. We we were both really in a, in a, a positive way. We were yes, very positively surprised. Way. Exactly. <laughs> when uh, yeah, when when Nick's name came across, um, you know, one of our emails, um, from his publicist, we were a little concerned because we thought, oh, we're gonna be a little too dumb for this guy. We are out <laughs> like, of our depth. <laughs> You know, because you, you you see like, oh, he's written books and he does Very poetry. accomplished. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's got he's, a doctorate. Yeah, I'm like, what? All this stuff. But what I love is that he he so easily connected to entertainment and, you know, thinking of like all the stuff that you love, you know, and he's got favorite movies and television shows and, you know, different things from media. It all had to be stemmed from an idea. Someone had to come up with that idea and write it. And that unique thing with like, you know, the struggle right now with like AI and like all this kind of stuff where like there's a huge threat to what has been the traditional way of creating things, of, of writing stuff down. This is the same with like artists who, you know, it takes their it takes time for art to, to happen, to paint, to draw, and AI can do it in seconds. So that you know, there's also that kind of interesting side that he kind of brought up a little bit. So but I just loved he was he, he he's like a nerd like us in a way you know i mean he obviously has a lot more knowledge of certain subjects that we certainly do not but i loved how much he connected what he does what he's passionate about to what we're passionate about with entertainment so amazing guest and definitely want to check out his books um especially the upcoming one with walt whitman because my gosh seeing that he you know has such a love for that and he took one little eight line poem and made a whole book out of it it's pretty incredible and and with that i mean his personality is so warm and inviting and just really fun and and that kind of stems of what you're talking about is the thing with ai and uh chat gpt and all these things um yes it can create stuff in seconds but it doesn't have the heart the human mm -hmm. warmth and that's the thing that this podcast is all about is bringing that human connection and you're right creativity is just something that cannot die especially when it comes to the written word from books, media, uh, podcast right here. I mean, we don't really have scripts, but we do come up with the ideas. We have to write this. And um, I think that's a perfect transition, you know, talking about Walt Women, um, although it is, you know, I first heard it from a TV show. It's a great quote uh, from Ted Lasso, Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. And I think that's definitely a quote to live by uh, in this day and age. So definitely follow and check out Nick's, um, website. Uh, you can uh, follow him on social media, but nickcourtwright.com, especially all those up and coming uh, authors out there. Definitely a company to check out, Atmosphere Press. Um, thanks again, Nick, and hope to have you back on the podcast. I can't, uh, can't wait to see what uh, books he's going to come up with next. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. And uh, as always, stay tuned. We got a lot of potential picks coming up, a lot of big horror ones coming up. You know, the spook season is here. Uh, otherwise, we'll catch you next time here on The Potential Podcast. Get that pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.